0: twelve. We make a break from Revelation for one week. So let's turn there and let's stand up and let's read our Bibles together here. Paul is writing here and he says, It is doubtless, not profitable for me to boast. I'll come to visions and revelations, plural, of the, of the Lord. I know a man... In Christ, of course, it's him, but he's not going to let us on yet. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I don't know, or whether out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I I don't know. God knows how he was caught up into Paradise and heard inexpressible words. Of course, today and those out of body things, they write books about it, but he heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for man to utter. Of such a one I will boast. Yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, plural, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And here's why. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses. Critical for Christ's sake. Read this last sentence with me. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Father, please, you've got to speak to us this morning. Lord, you've got to open up our hearts and our ears. Lord, that we can receive what your word declares, that we might make an impact in these last days in which we live in. So Lord, please bless our study here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I had two topics I wanted to do before we started the book of Revelation, but I didn't think the Lord wanted me to teach them, or at least not teach them yet. Well, today, I am certain I'm supposed to teach one of them, and and that one is found here in 2 Corinthians 12, and here's why. It's been two weeks since we taught Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 7. And all of us were challenged by our own issues of leaving their first love in one way or another and either A, getting busy in ministry and leaving Jesus out, or just getting busy in the world. And all of us, we were all challenged unless we were zoned out or missed it, but we were challenged two weeks ago. So how are we doing today, team? Are we more on fire now than we were two weeks ago, or has it kind of faded like a camp experience. You know what I'm talking about. You go to a men's retreat, woo-hoo, you're all on fire. You come back and you just kinda go Or, Or a youth camp, or any type of an experience where it's just you and Jesus and sometimes they just fade away. So ask yourself. I mean, only you can know for yourself, are you more in love with Jesus now Two weeks later, after hearing the words of Jesus to the church of Ephesus, that had left their first love. Now, we can all answer, well, of course we are, Pastor Bruce, but no, that's going to play out in our actions. It's got to. You know, the word gets in us, and then it bears fruit that others partake of. Remember, Jesus was calling to remember from the height of which they had fallen, so Are you more on fire from that peak place in your walk with Jesus? I hope so. I mean, the whole idea about teaching the Bible is that God's Word would get in us, you know, desire the pure milk of the Word that you might thereby grow, that God's Word would get in us, and then we would bear fruit that others would partake of. And if Revelation 2, 1 through 7 got into your bloodstream two weeks ago, then you're in a totally different spot than you were two weeks ago. But if we're not there, if that fire is faded, that message is kind of slid away, I I believe I know why. The simple answer is you were trying in your own strength to make it all happen just like the church in Ephesus was. See, the church in Ephesus had all this stuff going for them, but they had left Jesus on the side. And now people are sincere in their efforts. But how you went about it is where your fire started going out. And so much of Christianity is that way today. You know, the church is encouraged to be strong by their own effort. To stand strong. You got this, brother. Hang in there. And people are trying to be strong in themselves. But does the Bible teach that? Is that a biblical thought? Or is it just something that's been around so long, we start to... Go, well, that's true. But let's test that. Does it say anywhere in the New Testament that I should be strong in myself? I hear people saying it all the time I need to be strong here, Pastor. Pastor, pray for me to be strong. And when they get done, I say, I can't do that. What? (laughs) I'm going to pray for you to be weak. Because in that place, the weakness is your great strength. Now, people who are strong in themselves, they can't can't grasp the message here. Because they're so used to being strong in themselves. But listen, God's word is very clear. That if we're going to make it and make an impact upon this world, we've got to be resting in God's strength and not our own's. And so out of curiosity, I just kind of typed in these words last night. I typed in these words, Strong in the Lord by being weak. Threw it in there on Google. Came back with 39 million places to travel. I expected that. So then in quotations, I put, Strong in the Lord by being weak. And when you put quotes around it, it has to find that exact phrase. So I I hit enter, went all across the world. And guess how many times it came back with a hit? Zero. Zero? Yeah, zero. Zero times. I mean, all across the web, a big, fat goose egg. And yet it's so critical for our Christian walk today, team. Being strong in the Lord by being weak. Weak. And I get it why we're not, and I'll talk about it in a minute, because our world says be strong in everything to survive. But when it comes to our Christian walk, the only times God's people fail in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is by being strong in themselves. Now, of course, religious people, they don't think that way because they're just strong in themselves, but see, they're not going to make it in. Because we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's not our strength. We, we walk through this life that same way and we certainly are not going to be strong in ourselves and get into heaven. Amen? That's not going to happen. We get in by a place of weakness, death rapture. So does it say anywhere in the New Testament that I should be strong in myself? We're going to go looking. You see, one of the main reasons I'm not on fire—I'm not as on fire as when I first got saved—is because I'm trying to do this thing in my own strength, and, and, and over time it just kind of gets wearisome. And 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 yeah, maybe working like the church in Ephesus, but it's not working like God wants it to work. See, when you gave your life to Jesus, man, you looked to Him for everything. We all did. But then something happens over time when we talked about that in Revelation 2. But this is what we all must return to, church, that place of weakness. Otherwise, we're all going to fail. And yet God wants us to succeed. And we all have our stories on our journey. I have my stories. I've told them. You know, you have your stories. Well, we all have these stories on this journey that Jesus has us on. And those times when we are weak and we look to him, we will succeed. If we're strong in ourselves, we're not going to look up. We're just going to sit there and try and hammer it out. I got this. Be strong. Don't quit. And we should be in our weakness. We shouldn't quit in our weakness. We should allow and experience the power of God to rest upon our lives. Those times we seek to be strong in ourselves, oh, yeah, it may appear that it's something's happening. But you know what? Jesus wasn't in it. And again, for proof of that, go look at the church of Ephesus. Look at everything Jesus commends them about doing, but Jesus wasn't in their activity. Remember what that said? He said, oh yeah, you're busy, you're real busy, but look, you need to repent or else. Remember that? Remember those two words, or else? Remember the challenge for them to become an overcomer? So if we want to succeed in our Christian walk the way up, is down. But that matches what Jesus said. The boys are arguing about who's the greatest. Remember? Well, yeah, which time? And Jesus says, the greatest in the kingdom is who? The servant of all or the least. So that goes totally opposite of what our... See, the world says, the greatest in the world is who's got the top position. No, that's not what God says. God says the greatest in His kingdom... It's a servant of all. So if we want to succeed, that of living a life of denial of self and picking up our cross daily and following Jesus, where we are empty and, are, and we are of utter dependency upon the Holy Ghost to fill our lives, that's where we will succeed and thrive. That's where we will make an impact upon people's lives. So let's prove that being weak is in or deny it. That being strong in yourself is in. We need to pick one or the other. But we can't pick them both. The first place we're going to go to is Luke chapter 1 verse 80. It's the first place strong shows up in our relationship to our walk with God. The word strong shows up in other places. But it doesn't have anything to do with us. Luke writes of John the Baptist. So the child grew and became strong in spirit. Yeah, he sure did. Because the Holy Spirit was upon him at conception. The same is said of Jesus in Luke 2.40, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. A- anyone see a pattern here so far? Romans chapter 15, verse 1 is the next place we see the word strong show up. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. That doesn't say anything about being strong in ourselves. No, as you look at your brother and you go, you know what? I'm stronger right now. I can come alongside and help him. That's the context. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 10. This is total sarcasm from the Apostle Paul. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you Corinthians are strong. You are distinguished. But we are dishonored. See, the problem with the Corinthian church is that becomes, well, it can become our problem today. See, we try and walk with our Jesus in our own power and our own strength. And that's what Paul is writing to them about. They were trying to do it all in their own strength, all in their own power. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, Be brave, be strong. Well, there it is, Pastor. No, no, no. You can't just take two words out of context. Those are military words. They're all tied together so you can't separate one from the other. It's something officers would speak to their soldiers. Hey, watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave, be strong. We're going out to battle. Be strong as a military front. Don't weaken or wander. It's like those Old Testament uh, uh, soldiers. They would link their, sword, their shields together so that they would be strong as one in battle. That's what that's talking about. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And I hope you go, you can, it's all online, you can go look all these up in context tonight. But the earthen vessels, that's us. We're the cracked pots. The treasure is the Holy Ghost in us. But we have this treasure, the Holy Ghost, in us. Earthen vessels. And what's an earthen vessel worth these days that leaks out? What's it worth? Not much. Yeah, because, see, the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. But, see, oh, no, no, i got to do this. i got to do this. Well, yeah, you know, God just lets you do it. 2 Corinthians 13.9, for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. As he again put some sarcasm out there. And this also we pray that you may be made complete. Paul's saying, look, if we take the low road, if taking that low road will enable you believers to flourish, I'm going to be totally stoked about that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The word finally is the accumulation of the first five plus chapters of Ephesians, plus the nine verses before that in chapter 6. So verse 10 is not a standalone verse. And yet, all by itself, it could still stand by itself. Remember, we taught 2 Samuel a few months ago in chapter 30, David has lost everything. His, fam- the, his families and the families of his men have been carried away. His livestock's been carried away. And his men are speaking about stoning him. So what does he do? What does it say? He strengthens himself in the Lord. That's what a man after God's own heart does in that place of weakness. He doesn't say, okay, man, let's buckle up and let's strap on and let's go beat those people down. No, it says he strengthened himself in the Lord. David was back where he needed to be, and God gave him direction and gave him uh, leadership and placed him where he needed to be, but it came out of being strong in the Lord. That's the same for you and me. Finally, because we're getting ready for a battle, finally, my brethren, strengthen yourself in the Lord and in the power of his might and fight as you equip yourself in your spiritual armor of God. That's critical in our lives. Verse 10 doesn't nothing but support what the scriptures say in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says nothing to be do with being strong in you. 2 Timothy 2.1, you therefore, my son, as Paul is three months away from being beheaded. He doesn't know it, but that's what happened. And he writes to him, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, Timothy. Be strong in getting something from God that you don't deserve. Not strong in yourself. No, it's strong in getting something from God. But in order to get something from God, I have to be weak too. Three-letter word, starts with an A, ends with a K. Ask. Strong people don't ask. I got this. No, weak people ask because they're desperate. And it's a pattern that develops all the way through the Bible. So I must look up when I ask and ask from the Lord, and God will always give whatever his kids need in that moment so we can be strong in him. And that is according to his will and not ours. But no one's going to ask or wait on the Lord if you're seeking to be strong in yourself. And I get it. Today, the bigger problem in the bride of Christ is we're not even really playing God's game God's way. They're playing their own game. And rather than trying to be strong in the grace, which means you have to be weak, people are strong in themselves. And they're controlling their lives. Exactly what we read of of the seventh church, the church of, well, the Laodicean church. They're calling the shots. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. A couple more. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation. We don't even use that word. The, the word means a strong calling or a strong summons. Hebrews eleven thirty four. You know Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith? All the Old Testament saints are there. All these great and crazy things that they did for God are in Hebrews chapter 11. And it certainly supports 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. So we're speaking about Old Testament saints. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Listen, out of weakness were made, guess, strong. All those Old Testament stories we read of, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. All through the Old Testament. The reason, Paul, the reason God pulls the Holy Spirit from, the, from Saul, King Saul is because he was being strong in himself. 1 John 2.14. I've written to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong. Oh, there it is, pastor. No, listen. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong. Who should be stronger, young men or old men? Right? I don't want to carry this heavy stuff anymore. I want the, you know, you guys get it. I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the wicked one. I mean, they're strong because the word of God is in them. It has nothing to do with strong in themselves. And that's God's view of strong in the New Testament. Now, I get it. I understand the problem in the church. I get it. Because, see, I played competitive sports. And most sports, if not all sports, you have to be strong to win. Amen? You gotta be I mean, otherwise, you're going to sit on the bench. So you better be stronger or faster than the other person in order to play. In many jobs, you have to be physically strong to complete the task. In business, you have to be mentally strong, and you have to have strong leadership if you're going to survive. In seeking to survive another year of junior high and high school, you had better be strong, or you're going to get eaten alive. Stop that. (laughs) <laughs> you will. If you guys aren't strong, and you're going to get eaten alive. But if you try and do it in your own strength, you're going to fail. But all of that has to come from our relationship with Jesus and not from myself or my training or my teaching. So team, listen. And I'm only speaking to those who have turned to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their lives. Listen to this. Your strength is often his rival. College Park's rival is who? The Woodlands. Okay, we understand what the word rival means here? Your strength in your life is often God's rival. And so some of us have incredible strengths that we all possess. But you know what? We can very easily be competing against God's plan and God's way of living for our lives. And see, the Apostle Paul, as he writes this incredible passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you can make your way there, he learned this from Jesus. And he didn't want to be God's rival. You know, at the start of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes about the abundance of the revelations and the visions that he had seen with the Lord. And I think of everything that he experienced and saw. It had to have been amazing. I mean, he spent three years in Arabia with Jesus, being schooled by Jesus. That had to have been amazing. He says here in verse 5, Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast. There's a lot of boasting in the church today. Such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except, read it, in my, wow, that kind of, that kind of turns the church back right side up. A lot of boasting going on in the church today. Yet Paul, under the guidance of the Holy Ghost, writes, only in my infirmities will I boast. And he's going to tell us how he does it in a minute. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth as he writes of his true experiences with God. And we all should have them one way or the other, team. But not dwell on the experience, but we want to dwell on the Lord. Nothing wrong in saying, hey, you know what? You know, God placed these two Iraqi women before us, and, and we shared the gospel with them. It was awesome. Nothing wrong with that. Really? I didn't think they'd be open. No, they were that's just a life from the enemy. Look what he writes here. But I refrain from boasting, I add. Lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. See, Paul didn't want to get in anybody's way of seeing Jesus. If the believers in Corinth thought Paul was weak, he was totally stoked with that. He was totally fine with that. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, plural? I mean, I I can't even imagine. You know, Paul was in jail. Paul was in prison. Paul was on a ship that was going to crash, and Jesus and the angel of the Lord showed up. Paul spent a night and a day in the deep. Can you imagine how God comforted him in that situation? Think of everything he experienced. And he says, lest I get a big head and exalt myself by the superiority of how Jesus used me, a thorn in the flesh. And no one knows what this thorn is. Of course, there's lots of books writing and telling us what it is, but nobody knows. It could be anything. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. The word given is like a birthday gift. You know, it's the same word you'd use if I'm giving you a present. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, Paul writes a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Okay, so what did we just learn here, church? We've got to grasp this. In the previous verses, Paul writes of this heavenly vision that he experienced, and he is telling us why he wrote about that vision. He's telling us right here that everyone would understand why he has this thorn in his flesh. He was not writing about the vision in the first four verses to boast about himself, but to explain to everyone why he has this thorn in his flesh, why it was given to him. It's because of those visions. Apparently everyone knew Paul had the thorn. And this thorn was given to Paul to keep him on the straight and narrow team. Can you receive that this morning? Paul received a thorn in his flesh to keep him walking closely to Jesus. Can you receive that? I mean, that's pretty (laughs) radical. And who ultimately gave it to Paul? One answer God did. Would the devil give Paul a thorn in the flesh to keep Paul on, on the straight and narrow so that he would finish well? No way. Would God? Oh, absolutely. Just like we see with Job in the Old Testament. When permission is given, the devil pounced on the idea to bring this thorn to Paul's flesh. Now, just so we're not mistaken, team, this is not some little thorn like we might get as we walk across the grass or we walk through the woods. The Greek word for thorn here is, is a word that's used for a steak. And not something you're going to go home and eat. It's something that's used when you would pitch a tent. Wow, that's a big thorn. Now, what did we just learn here, team? That Paul received this messenger of Satan to buffet me. It's not exactly a word we use today. It's not buffet line, okay? It's, you know, buffet means to strike with the fist. It's present tense, meaning it was continually always there. So please keep in mind, God gave permission to Satan for the sole purpose that God's man would make it to the finish line. And I wonder how often Christians fight against those things, that God is placed there because he wants to make certain that you make it to the finish line, and they throw that stuff off, and they go and do their own thing, and they're no longer walking with the Lord. I wonder how many, probably too many. I want to encourage us When we are being buffeted by this world for your witness of Jesus, don't fight against it lest you be found fighting against God. But receive it like Paul did. But don't just receive it, but then pray about it because that's what he does here. Find out if it's going to be a long-term or short-term pain. But don't fight against it. Look at verse 8. Concerning this thing, that thing could be anything in our lives. That's why I'm, I'm glad it's not listed. Even though all these book writers write, well, this is what it is. Nobody knows. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And we've talked about this before. It could say 300, it could say one time, it could say 30 times. The key thing to walk away with, team, is Paul continually called to Jesus until Jesus answered him, and not with a feeling. Well, I feel like this is what Jesus wants me to do. No, Jesus answered him with understandable words. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Paul was relentless until he got an answer. And all of us must be. His request, Paul's asking was very clear here. He wanted it to depart from him. You know, tomorrow I have an MRI of a brain tumor I got left over in me. And a week from Tuesday, I get to find out God's will because there's the report right there. And that's going to be God's will for my life. The Lord hasn't told me to stop praying, so we keep praying. And until he does, now, a week from Tuesday, here's the report and it's missing. Well, now I know. But ultimately, it's God's choice for my life, just like it's God's choice for Paul's life, just like it's God's choice for your life. But we continue to ask until he answers us, team. Don't give up asking. Keep asking for your family members and, all, and other things that are going on in our lives. Don't give up on your Jesus team because he didn't give up on you. You know Paul came alongside God and called out till he got an answer and Jesus gives him the answer here in verse 9. And Jesus said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My giving you something you don't deserve will assist you in this thorn in your life, Paul. My giving you something that you don't deserve will assist you in whatever you're facing in life team." I pray to God we all know this. That we can receive this. That Whatever we encounter in this life, as we look up and call out in our weakness to our Jesus, that we might know and hear in the deepest recesses of our hearts these same words from our Jesus. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness, Paul. See why you don't want to seek to be strong in yourself or your own stuff we all go through? Jesus' grace is not made perfect in Paul's strength, but in Paul's weakness. It's critical we grasp this. When we are inadequate or insufficient, it's at moments of life that his grace is sufficient. When we're dead tired and we can't accomplish anything and we have spent everything, and God says, I got one more thing for you to do. Okay, God, but you're going to have to do it. Those are the moments where you get to experience the power of God. But you have to walk through it. You've got to take a step of faith. If you made a promise to Jesus two weeks ago to be on fire, and yet here we are two weeks later, and that fire is out, most likely it's out because you were trying to do it in your own strength. Oh, oh the, the, the heart is there. I really want to be on fire. But then all of a sudden, school starts, and the opportunity is there, and it's out. Most likely it's out because you're trying to do it in your own strength. See, I, I never step into a place of sharing the gospel with somebody in my own strength because I don't have any. <laughs> Every time I step into it, I'm afraid. I'm a big chicken. And so I'm asking for boldness when I step into it. Because see, out of my weakness, Lord, you've got to give me boldness. And then I step. I don't even, you know, I just go for it. And you kind of get in the Jesus zone. But if you never step, if you never, from those places of weakness, step in there, you're never going to experience the power of God like the way God wants to work in our lives. See, I cannot make a promise and then try and do it. No, that's man's way. The promise that Jesus has asked of each one of us is to die each day and obey and follow his, and, Him and allow His power to live through us each day. Because that's what, you know, Jesus said, look, you want to follow me? Deny yourself. Pick up my cross daily. What was that? For Jesus, it was to obey the Father, to fulfill the Father's will. See, God doesn't work in our strengths. The entire Bible screams of this. Look at Gideon. Gideon has 32,000 soldiers against 100, like, I think it was 145,000. God says, nah, not good. Not good. People are going to boast. So what does he do? Gideon, tell everybody that's afraid to leave. So 22,000 left. God says, too many, Gideon. So then they do the water thing, you know. So Gideon's down to 300 soldiers against 145 or 35,000. 450 to one are the odds. Every soldier of Gideon has to now kill 450 soldiers. Well, no one's going to take the glory in that battle, man. It belongs to the Lord. Look at Israel today. The odds are so overwhelming against Israel, they should be utterly wiped out off the map. No, because God made a promise to them. And it doesn't matter how big the enemies are around them. Go look on a globe. Look at the real estate the enemies have, and look at that little sliver, if it's even in there, of Israel. Out of their weakness, God's going to be keep them safe. It's crazy. Let's not miss this important truth locked away for safekeeping in verses 8 and 9. Did Paul receive the answer he was looking for? Yes or no? Come on. Give me an answer. No, he did not. In verse 8, look what it says. He was pleading that Jesus would take it. Hey, you, need to, you and I need to be careful when Jesus answers our prayers and doesn't, and if his answer doesn't match what we think that answer should be, it's very easy to kind of just blow that off. Man, Jesus, when are you gonna answer? I did a long time ago. You didn't like the answer. Okay, you get it? We gotta be real careful here. Well, he's not answering my prayers. No, he might have. You just didn't like the answer. We got to learn that here. Got to be careful when Jesus answers. Now, Paul gets it here, doesn't he? For my strength is made perfect in your weakness, Paul. Therefore, a term of conclusion as Paul looks back at the previous words of Jesus, that Jesus' grace can only work in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, most gladly, I will rather boast, you know, brag in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's a position of weakness, not a position of strength. So there's choices, team. Infirmities is ailments, frailty, sickness, disease, whatever is seeking to pull you away from Jesus. Paul writes here, he's going to boast in all of those things for one massive promise and one promise only, that the power of Christ may rest upon him. See, Paul's prayer was removal, but he is being content. And being strengthened by his Jesus. And we all have to embrace those things in life, team, and not fight against them. Whatever they are. And see, that is why no one knows what the thorn is in his flesh here. And God wants it that way. That his power might rest on and in our lives in all situations of life. But we have to take a place of weakness. That's what we did when our son died. Took a place of weakness. Incredible weakness. And God's grace was sufficient for us. And it's still sufficient for us. Oh, you have a brain tumor. Slam right to the bottom, position a weakness. Cancer, position a weakness. God, it's your thing. You're going to do whatever you want to do. I'm just going to be a child. It's God's way of doing business. But if only you approach and take a position of weakness, it's going to work out. It's never going to work out from a position of strength. God doesn't work in our strengths, but in our weaknesses. And see, this is what levels the playing field for everybody in God's kingdom. Well, you know, pastor, I'm just not bold. I'm kind of shy, blah, blah. Listen, perfect. You're, you're, you're enlisting yourself by your weaknesses. But you've got to look up and ask. And see, this levels the playing field for everybody because God's not into people's strengths. God doesn't work that way. Now the pink elephant in the room is is if you want to experience God's grace this way, you have to go through the fire team. Not jump out. You get no credit if you approach the fire, touch it, and jump out. And that fire could be anything and everything in our lives. I'm going to share with the gospel with this person. Whoa, I'm not. Hey, you get no credit if you start moving that way. You got to accomplish the task. And it's whatever God's calling you to do. Whatever that is in your life, you just got to obey. You know, God is using and going to use you to display his glory to this world by his grace and through your weakness. It's a hard message for strong people to grab a hold of, but listen, there ain't no. All of us combined are not even to get a one percent of the greatness of what the apostle Paul did in his lifetime, and so here's the man, the greatest writer of the scriptures, a man who turned the world upside down, saying, "Look, here's the path to greatness." Paul understood it. He writes about it in verse ten. Therefore, I take pleasure and infirmities, see it's some like psycho, psycho. No, it's where he experienced Jesus. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. We already defined that. In reproaches, those are insults, injuries, overbearing acts of violence. Paul says, I take pleasure in those. I take pleasure in needs, the pressures of life, the distresses, the calamity. When they call me names at school, I take pl- I take pleasure in all those things. In persecutions, simply means persecutions and distresses, and narrowness of space. I don't know if he's thinking about confinement, a prison, of life's difficulties, and all of this for Christ's sake. And here's why. We must enjoy the ride in all situations of life. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. It's a mandatory course all of us have to travel through, team, that God might use our light and life's difficulties to shine bright in His world for His glory. You'll never experience the grace of God at salvation. I mean, nobody experiences the grace of God at salvation in their own strength. That's ridiculous. You realize you're a sinner in desperate need, and so in your weakness, you turn to Jesus, and you experience his grace. You'll never experience the grace of God on the journey to heaven in your own strength. No, Paul says right here, it's gonna happen in your own weakness. And for proof of that, You will never experience the grace of God on that entrance into heaven in your own strength, but only in your weakness. If you're trying to get to heaven by your own strength, I'm sorry, you're in big trouble. You're not going to make it. God's heart for each one of us is to walk in His victory and offer up our weakness. Now, there's three pitfalls to walking this out and hindering God's grace from being sufficient of all of our lives. Prayer is the first one. You pray, but you don't ask. You tell God and you inform God. No, you gotta ask. And then as you ask, you gotta hear the answer and not be expecting your answer, but be ready to receive God's answer. Because it's not your will, it's his will. The second one is you gotta be asking for the Holy Spirit to fall upon your life. And remember a few months ago I had a I had a a, a cup here and I had a dirty rag in it and poured water in it, and when the whole cup was full, I pulled the dirty rag out and it was like, wow, there's hardly any water in it. Yeah, our lives have got to be empty of ourselves so that when we ask for the Holy Spirit to be poured upon us, that cup is empty of us and God's going to pour His Spirit upon us. Because see, when we ask the Holy God to pour His Spirit out upon us, Luke 11, 13, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? But and he, when you ask, He's going to pour in But if that cup is full of you, there's only going to get a quarter cup. And I don't even know how that all works out. But I know this. The problem isn't asking for more of the Holy Spirit. The problem is me getting out of the cup. That God can fill and pour and overflow. And lastly, and probably more dangerous to a walk of grace in our weakness than any other, is taking matters into our own hands. And let me demonstrate. See that we got a little flicker here going right? But see, as I take matters into my own hands, see the fire, what's happening to it? Getting brighter or going out? Brighter. So as I take matters into my wow, it's working! I can be strong in myself, it's working. He's wrong. Yeah, but what happens is, is as you're strong in yourself, you just stay that way. And what happens over time is all you got left is a little smoke. God can't work in the smoke. And that's, I think, what happened to the church in Ephesus. They were on fire. They were busting it out. But they started walking away from their first love. And it was working. Wow, we're doing more works than ever. But when Jesus comes to them, all they got, they, they don't even have a little smoke. Well, they had a little smoke because they... When God's grace is over you and in you and surrounding you in those trials of life, what I have found and what my family has found is there's acceptance and not accusations against God. God gets accused of all this stuff that he shouldn't be accused for. But see, if you're walking in that place of weakness, you accept it when it comes into your life. You know, my God is still in control and his grace is still sufficient for me in anything and everything. In our weakness, team. I mean, he still loves me in our our weakness. He still loves me when we go through those various fires and he's proved it by pouring his grace out upon me. So team, we got choices today. The path to greatness is surrender and weakness totally opposite of what the world preaches today. So we have choices. But listen, if we take the path of weakness and surrender, you will hear the voice of your Jesus. And you're going to be able to follow him and not yourself. And that's what God wants to do in your life. Because he's already prepared these good things in advance for you, you and I to walk in. But you're going to hear his voice in that place of weakness. You're going to hear that, your, his voice in that place of denying yourself and obeying his word and watching Jesus blow your mind. And that's the theology of the word strong and the scriptures. Father, we're thankful for what you want to do in our lives.